Whenever a person does sins in their life, they always get the negative effect of sin on their heart. And the Prophet said in the hadith that any time a person does a sin, a black spot comes onto their heart. And then if they sin again, then another black spot comes on their heart. And if they keep sinning, and they keep sinning, then they will keep getting black spots on their heart. So much so that then their entire spiritual heart will become blackened. And it doesn't just make a person's spiritual heart black, but in fact doing a sin brings a person to all types of other difficulties and darknesses and worries. Not only does their heart harden, because when, when this, because of the effect of the sins, their heart becomes hard. When their heart becomes hardened, then the whole personality becomes problematic. Then they will have all types of other problems in their life. Another effect of sins is that a person is no longer able to do good deeds. A'mal as-salih become more difficult for them to do. They don't feel like praying salah. They view praying as a burden on them. They view reciting Quran as difficult for them. They read one or two pages and they get they get filled up by Quran. They read one page and that's it. They don't feel like reading anymore. Even if they manage to pray Fard Salah, they won't want to pray Nafal Salah. They don't like sitting on the Masalla, spending time on their prayer mat. Going into gatherings of the pious where advices of deen are given, they find it difficult to go there. Everything related to deen, they find it to be difficult, a burden. And they view Sharia, Islamic law as just restrictions and restrictions. And they feel restricted and constricted by the Sharia. All of this is the effect of sins because the sins made the person's spiritual heart hard. And when the person's spiritual heart became hardened, then what Allah Ta'ala wished for them, that is what Sharia is, Allah Ta'ala commands and wishes for the person, actually started being viewed as the person as something difficult, as something restrictive. And then another effect of sin is that a person loses their sukoon and itminan. They lose their tranquility, they lose their serenity. Instead, their life is full of worry, full of stress, full of tension, full of anxiety. Then Allah Ta'ala will sometimes afflict them with worry. Maybe they have a family problem, maybe they have a spouse problem, maybe they have a problem with their children, maybe a woman has a problem with their in-laws. All of these things are due to our sins. And what happens when, why did a person do a sin? A person did a sin for the sake of the pleasure. Uh, whatever sin it was, they did the sin for the sake of some temporary pleasure. But instead of getting pleasure, they got a temporary pleasure that lasted just very quickly. And then after that, then they ended up with a long period of torment, a long period of sadness, a long period of anxiety. And you will find even physical, another effect of sins is physical illnesses. So a woman will be only 35 years old and she will say, I already have low back pain. I have difficulty sitting down. I have difficulty praying. Why did she get a physical illness at such a young age? This can also sometimes be an effect of our sins. Another effect of sin is sometimes that a woman will say that whatever I start doing, I'm not able to finish it. I want to do certain tasks. I'm never able to do everything I planned for that day. I always fall short of my aspirations, of my efforts. This is also one of the effects of sins. 
so not her household chores aren't fulfilled, her hopes and aspirations aren't realized. She doesn't have proper health, doesn't have strength. She has children, but the children aren't obedient to her. She may have daughters, but nobody comes to uh, propose to their daughters. She will say that her children aren't studying. Her whole life will become empty of barakah. She will just be losing the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from all areas of her life. And another effect of sins is also that a person gets disgraced in front of others, gets dishonored in front of others. Sometimes the husband will mistreat her. Sometimes the children will talk back to her. Sometimes somebody else will be rude to her. And many, in any many ways, a person could get disgraced because of the sins that they committed. So actually all of these are the negative consequences of sinning. That's why Sayyidina Rasulullah said that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reserved izzat and waqar, dignity and honor for those people exclusively who follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inflict disgrace and dishonor and disrepute on that person who breaks the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from this hadith it becomes very clear that all of the difficulties that we're having is because of the sins that we do and all the sins that we do make us worried in our life. Mufti Muhammad Shafirim used to explain it in this way that do as much sin as you want but you should know that do at, go, go, he would say it, go and do however many sins as you want and then you will see Allah Ta'ala will make your life in this world Jahannam. You will be like a living Jahannam on this earth. So whenever we disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the negative consequences of that, we will feel it in every corner of our life. And then sometimes a person will be having such a tough time that they would feel that I would rather die than continue living. Even they can have even if you sin so much, your life can be such a living hell that you would actually then say that I would rather die than continue living. So a person should always remember that a person will never get sukoon due to their sins. They will get one worry after the other. They may be able to get themselves out of one worry, a second one will come. They may get themselves out of that, a third one will come. One after the other sin will lead to one after the other worries. And the opposite of all of this, when a person does do a'mal al-salih, when a person does good deeds, acts of ibadah, Allah Ta'ala puts sukoon in their heart, Allah puts blessing in their life, Allah Ta'ala makes their whole life in ease and tranquility and happiness. So now the decision is up to us. Do we want to lead a life of sin? Or do we want to leave a piety, righteous actions, a'mal al-salih, ibadat? How many women are there that they fall into sin and they fall in love with an unlawful love with a man and for the sake of that love they commit any and all types of sin and they say themselves that because of the effect this love has on their heart it's every day they feel the pangs of love they feel the pains of love they feel the hurt of love their lover sometimes mistreats them, sometimes their lover is 
ignorant, ignores them, and they're willing to, they go through all of that tor- torment and anguish and sorrow and grief of this false love. Would it not be better that a human being should obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, become pious, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him the pleasures of the akhirah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him itminan and sukoon in this world. Allah Shibli said that that person whom Allah Ta'ala wants to send to Jannah in this world before he dies, Allah Ta'ala will give him the pleasure of Jannah, the, the good feeling of Jannah, the sukoon, the tranquility of Jannah. They will experience a Jannah-like feeling on this earth as a precursor foreshadowing that they are destined for Jannah. And we have done, instead, we have done so many sins that we don't even have a record of them. We don't even remember how many sins we have done. We have such a large mass quantity of sin that we cannot even recount now every sin that we have done. Now, when are the sins going to be forgiven? When a person makes tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when a person seeks Allah's forgiveness and promises never to do them again, they're not going to be forgiven on their own. For example, sometimes a person will backbite and they don't even know, they don't even realize that they're doing a sin. Now, if they don't realize they're doing a sin, then they're never going to ask Allah ta'ala for forgiveness for that sin. They're never going to make tawbah for that sin. So that sin will remain on their account and they will keep facing the negative consequences of that sin. So what should a person do? They should be aware of sin, acknowledge sin, and ask Allah's forgiveness for sin, and make tawbah for that sin. We may have done many, many sins in our life that we've forgotten, but if we remember Allah Ta'ala abundantly, then remembering Allah Ta'ala abundantly will make us feel remorse and regret over our sin. Except that imagine, as he says, that for every sin we did, we were to get a pebble, we would already have a mountain by now. We would have mountain ranges by now, mountains upon mountains. So therefore, this year, in we are selecting this topic, that how can we fill up our life, our day and night, with so many good deeds, that we won't even have the opportunity to do sin. And that we can do so many good deeds that it will be a means of expiation and forgiveness for our past sins. So we are going then from today onwards to mention a whole series of righteous actions, ibadat, a'mal salih, that if we adorn and fill our day and night with them, and we should try to do those actions, we should literally run after those actions, we should do them with a passion. We should be sincere and serious about doing these actions that will be mentioned today and the next few days. The first thing is that we should make a habit of forgiving one another. If we don't forgive others for hurting us, for harming us, for betraying us, then what will happen is our heart will become full of resentment and bad feelings towards a person and malice and spite and even hatred towards other people. And we should think that Allah Ta'ala will then say to us that, Oh my servant, if you are not even willing to forgive other people, then why should I be willing to forgive you? So if we want Allah Ta'ala to forgive us, we should be willing to forgive other people. If we want Allah Ta'ala to forgive us despite us being guilty, then we should forgive other people even if they are guilty. That person who stays away from shirk, stays away from magic, 
and stays away from having bad feelings towards other people in their heart, then Allah Ta'ala makes him, that person, preserves that person from falling into sin. Sayyidina Umar Radha said that all the actions so Sayyidina Rasulullah said in a hadith narrated by Sayyidina Umar Vatana know that every Monday and every Thursday every Monday and Thursday the acts that a person does are presented by the angels to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is that He looks at the record of deeds and He forgives a person for whatever sins they ask forgiveness from except the person who does shirk, who associates partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that person who has some ill feelings between their fellow believers. If they have any bad feeling in their heart, they harbor bad feelings in their heart for their fellow believer and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels that leave these two and let them have even more enmity and hostility for one another, I will only forgive them when they patch up with one another. So I'll keep waiting, let's see if they reconcile and patch up with one another, only then will I send my maghfir and my forgiveness on them. So that's why we have to stay away from malice, spite, hatred, envy, jealousy, all of these bad feelings that exist between people's hearts. Otherwise, if we don't, then we won't get the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the night of the 15th of Shaban, Allah SWT forgives all of the sinning members of this Ummah who turn to Him in istighfar and tawbah, except that person who does shirk and except for that person who has hatred for a fellow Muslim. And another hadith, and another hadith of Prophet said, that there are three attributes that if a person has even one single one of these three that Allah subhanahu wa will forgive everyone except such a person. There's the three attributes that will negate Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, that will make us mahroom of Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. What are they? Number one, that that person who does shirk that person who does shirk will never be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, that person who does magic, they will never be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third is that person who has harbors some resentment or ill feeling towards their fellow Muslim. So that means that we should make tawbah of all of these three things. We must make tawbah of shirk, not do shirk at all. We must and save ourselves from that. We must take tawbah from all, any and all types of magic and all things that are against sharia. And number three, that we should not have any ill will or bad feelings towards our fellow believers. And many times women have this problem is they have enmity and hostility and they harbor grudges against other women. They're angry against other women. They have envy against other women. And there may be some women who don't even understand that what does this word mean to have harbor bad feelings. So Hazrat is saying that what it means is that you have enmity towards someone, you have envy, envy towards someone, you have jealousy towards someone. That means to have ghil or to harbor resentment and bad feelings towards someone. It can be anyone, whether you have it against your sister, whether you have it with a fellow Muslimah, 
whether you have it even against your any male whoever you have this feeling that is called Qina and Urdu Ghil in Arabic harboring ill feelings in English so when we stay away from these feelings then Allah subhanahu wa will accept our istighfar and forgive us for our sins second thing is that whenever so the first thing was to pure our heart from all of these feelings second thing is that whenever we do a sin we shouldn't be happy when we do sin we shouldn't rejoice when we do sin we shouldn't enjoy doing sin we shouldn't let ourselves feel the pleasure of doing sin so for example sometimes when a woman has an unlawful relationship with a man and sometimes they want to win that man over and they even become so crazy that if the man responds to her then she just shook her to Allah subhanahu she actually prays to Allah subhanahu that I want that man or like that so Hazrat Sahib is saying that is an extremely uh, outrageous the wrong thing to do but how can you do shukr to Allah Ta'ala when you did a sin it should be the complete opposite that we should be completely embarrassed and ashamed in front of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala when we do a sin so we have to have the feeling of remorse and regret and shame over our sin we should never have the feeling of happiness that I got to do the sin we should never be joyful that we got to do the sin it comes in Hadith Sayyidina Rasulullah said that even the feeling of remorse, regret, nadama, nadma, that itself is tawbah. That it means that Allah Ta'ala can forgive a person even just for the remorse and regret they feel over a sin. So if a person has so much sins that they could fill up even from the earth to the atmosphere, but they don't have shirk. And even then if they ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive them, Allah can forgive as many sins that could fill up the earth to the atmosphere. Another hadith the Prophet said, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah ta'ala addresses his servants and says, Oh my servant, indeed you have been worshipping me and whatever sins that you did, if you ask my forgiveness for your sins, even were your sins to be as much enough to cover the entire earth, and from the entire earth to go up to the atmosphere, even then I can forgive you for all the sins that you have committed. So we are so amazed that so many sins Allah Ta'ala is willing to forgive, such a mass quantity of sin, as long as a person stays away from shirk. All they have to feel is remorse and regret and turn to Allah Ta'ala in that feeling of remorse and regret and Allah Ta'ala will forgive their sins. Another hadith Sayyidina Sallallahu said that if a person makes a mistake and slips into error and falls into sin but then after they fall into that sin then they feel remorse and regret they feel ashamed over it then even just that feeling of remorse and regret and shame is enough to be an expiation for their sin is a kafara is an expiation for their sins so it means that the emotional feeling we should have whenever we sin is the feeling of being ashamed 
And what does it mean? By being ashamed means a person should feel, I did something very wrong. I'm guilty. I'm a guilty of wrongdoing. I should have never done such a thing. I wish I had never done such a thing. If only I could make myself such that I never do such things. That's what it means to feel the feeling of remorse and regret. Another deed of Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam that the Prophet said that whomsoever commits any sin and then feels remorse and regret over that sin and then turns to Allah and makes dua and says, Oh my Rabb, my Lord, let Allah forgive me for the sin I just did and even if I do a sin again in the future, forgive me for that as well. So get advanced maghfirah, advanced maghfirah for his sins. So even then Allah SWT forgives him for the sin that he did and gives him advanced maghfirah that if he falls into that sin again mistakenly because he is showing to Allah SWT that he doesn't want to do it. Because he truly doesn't want to do it and is scared that what if I do it again despite not wanting to do it. So that not wanting to do it, that is remorse and regret. And on the basis of that, Allah Ta'ala forgives them for past and even future sin. So Allah SWT is that being who can forgive our sins. We should also remember Allah Ta'ala is also that being who can punish us for our sins. And we should always keep that in mind as well, that Allah Ta'ala has that power and ability as well. And many times women are engaging in the sin of backbiting and they take it lightly. So it comes in one hadith that the Prophet said that if any one of you that if any one of you commits a sin of ghibat and backbites one fellow brother, then what you should do is you should make istighfar in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should take Allah's forgiveness and inshallah this can be an expiation for the backbiting that you did. So this is the power of istighfar. That if we backbited somebody, slandered someone, even that sin can be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we feel remorse and regret over it and we ask Allah's forgiveness for it. So we realize that what a big, tremendous bounty and blessing it is to have nadamat, remorse and regret, and istighfar to seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. Another hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that that person who reads, Astaghfirullah alladhi la astaghfirullah illa qayyum wa the person who recites this formula of istighfar, then Allah Ta'ala will shower his forgiveness on them. Even if he was somebody who ran away from the field of jihad, even if he did such a big sin that he abandoned his fellow Muslims on the battlefield, but if he recites his istighfar three times a day, Allah Ta'ala will forgive them for it. Any such du'as, there's a brother Mushfiq here. Mushfiq, raise your hand. Brother Mushfiq, raise your hand. Anybody who wants, raise your hand. Anybody who wants to get these du'as in written form, you can collect it from Brother Mushfiq. It's his job to write down all the Arabic du'as that Hazrat will be mentioning. And he will, if you need them, if you can't memorize them, you can take it from him. So this formula of istighfar for a person who recites it three times a day, even if they fled the field of jihad, Allah Ta'ala will forgive them. In another hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Allah says to a person who commits a sin 
in the darkness of the night that Allah Ta'ala gives him up to either half the night or two-thirds of the night and sees and then Allah Ta'ala then says that O oh my servant Allah proclaims and announces that O oh my servants don't call upon anyone other than me who is there who is calling upon me so that I may answer their call don't ask anybody's forgiveness except from me who is there who is asking forgiveness so that I may forgive them and then who is it who wants to be saved from Jahannam they can call upon me so that I can save them so, and Allah Ta'ala keeps proclaiming this all the way until the time of Fajr. So what we learn then is that in the last half of the night or last third of the night, different hadith mentioned either one, that this is a time where we can get the guaranteed forgiveness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala if we turn to Him in true and sincere remorse, regret and repentance. So Hadith Sahab is saying that the women, they should try to get up at least half an hour before Fajr starts. And everybody has their own practice of how much sleep they need, when they sleep, when they wake. Some people go to sleep early after Isha, they wake up early. Some people have to stay up later in the night and they sleep later and they sleep again in the morning. But what a person has their own practice of sleeping, so we should make our practice of sleeping such that we should make our practice of sleeping such that we should try to sleep soon after having prayed Isha. What shaitan does is he tries to make a person stay up late night after Isha, keep them up late night, late night. Why? Because he doesn't want to wake them to wake up in the last part of the night. So, you will find that people, they should feel sleepy after Isha, but you will find shaitan makes them feel extremely fresh. So after Isha, they're alert, they're wide awake. And because they're so wide awake, they're talking to people, and sometimes they even do sins and they watch late night. What is this? Prime time television. Huh? Prime time television after Isha. So they're watching this at night. And then they go to sleep sometimes at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Now that person who goes to sleep at 2 a.m., is that person going to be able to wake up at 4 a.m.? Very difficult, almost impossible. And what will happen even if he or she gets up, she will feel extremely drowsy and sleepy at the time of Fajr. So what does shaitan do? The time when you should be sleepy, he makes you feel awake. And the time when you should be wakeful and alert, he makes you feel drowsy and sleepy. So in terms of sleeping and waking, this is part of our mujahidah. And we should make our schedule of sleeping and waking according to the wish of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it comes in a date that Sayyidina Rasulullah used to tell people that they shouldn't sleep after Maghrib. So that, and but they should and they shouldn't talk and they shouldn't engage in idle conversation after Isha. They shouldn't sleep after Maghrib because then they'll wake up for Isha fresh and they're supposed to be sleepy after Isha. And they should engage in idle conversation so that they fall asleep after Isha. So the habit of women should be that after Isha, they should wind up everything. They should wind up and start preparing for sleep. So if you're for the people in early to bed, early, early to bed will be early to rise, and that will make a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So we should make a habit to sleep early, early sleep, so that we can pray tajjud. As it is saying is, look, we have to pray Fajr anyway. It's part of the, we have to pray Fajr anyway. So if we're going to have to get up anyway, if we just get up for 30 minutes before that, then we can pray Tahajjud also. So especially the women should feel that they have to just get up half an hour earlier. 
And what they should do at that time? They should make kasrata istighfar. They should make lots of istighfar. They should beg Allah Ta'ala abundantly for his forgiveness. Sayyidina Rasulullah was asked once by Sayyidina Anas, that, oh, that, okay. Sayyidina Anasari said the Prophet said that Allah Ta'ala said that I'm very kareem and I'm very adheem. I'm extremely generous and I'm extremely powerful and mighty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want to disappoint and let a person down on the day of judgment. Which person? That person who spends their whole life making istighfar. So if a person spent their whole life turning to me and begging me for forgiveness, it doesn't befit that on the day of judgment I disappoint him as if I have not forgiven him. So what Hazrat Sahib is taking from this hadith is that means a lifetime of istighfar. That it should be our daily practice of making istighfar. And there's another dua which is mentioned in hadith which is called Sayyidul Istighfar, which is a special dua that again you can get from Mushfiq. And if you don't have it memorized, then you can write it down and you can read it. And if you start, that, Oh Allah, you are our Rabb, there is no being except you. You have created me as your servant and slave. And indeed me and my family, we all belong to you. I seek refuge in you from the evil of that I committed. And Allah thought, I ask that you forgive me and indeed there is no being with the ability to forgive my sins except for you. So this dua, I didn't translate the whole thing. This dua is called Sayyidul Istighfar. It comes in a day that that person who makes this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this dua of Sayyidul Istighfar, who recites it in the day and who recites it in the night. If he recites in the day and he passes away before night comes, he will enter Jannah. And if a person makes the dua at night and he dies before daybreak comes, then he will also go into Jannah. So what it means that a person should recite this dua twice, once between Fajr and Maghrib and once between Maghrib and Fajr. Once between Fajr and Maghrib and once between Maghrib and Fajr. In another day that comes that that person who makes istikhar abundantly, that person should be congratulated and he should rejoice because on his book of deeds in the day of judgment will be written lots of istikhar. And then Allah Ta'ala will then save that person from the tor- torment and trial and difficulty of the day of judgment. Another day that comes that Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala himself took qasam, he himself took an oath that, O oh my servant, as long as you keep doing istikhar, I will keep forgiving their sins. As long as my servants keep making istighfar, I, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will keep forgiving them for sins. So this is such a big bounty and blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even took a qasam on his own. Bi'izzati, in the name of my, Allah ta'ala's izzat, with jalali and my might and power, that I will never ever stop forgiving them as long as they keep asking me for forgiveness. As long as they're making istighfar, I will keep forgiving them. So Allah Ta'ala says that as long as my servants keep asking me forgiveness, I, Allah, will keep forgiving their sins. That's why it comes in another hadith that Allah Ta'ala said that who is there who is more generous than me that I protect and safeguard all of humanity 
and I guard them as if they had never sinned. I send risk and I safeguard humanity as if they had never sinned against me. As I treat them as if they are not sinners in terms of the risk I sent on them, in terms of the safeguarding I do of them on this earth. Then Allah says that who was there who has ever asked me for risk, who has knocked on my door of risk that I have not opened my door for them, who is there? Who am I? Allah says that am I stingy? Am I lacking resources in any way that a person thinks of me that way? So no, Allah has limitless resources and limitless ability and He showers all of that onto the mu'mineen believers when they turn to Him in du'a. So at the time of tahajjud, and Allah says at the time of tahajjud, I quickly forgive the sins of my servants. So what we learn then is that whomsoever makes tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah forgives them for their sins. So much so that it comes in hadith that if a person even killed one, there was a person who killed 100 people, guilty of murdering 100 people, and he wanted to make tawbah, and he heard there were some pious people in some other village, and he said, let me travel to them, and they will teach me how to make tawbah to Allah. And he died right in the midpoint of his departure place to his destination and both angels came to take him the angels who take the souls destined for Jahannam they also showed up and the angels who take the souls destined for Jahannam they also showed up and they had an argument over one another the angels of Jahannam said he's murdered hundred people and the one that said he was going to make Tawbah and then the angels went back and they took this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, okay, I want you to measure the distance between where he left and where he was going and see where did he die? Did he die closer to the place where he left? Then you can send him to Jahannam. Or did he fall dead closer to the place where he was going for Tawbah? Then you can take him to Jannah. So then it comes in Hadith and the distance was measured and he died exactly on the midpoint between those two points on earth but because he died and he fell face forward that his face was towards his facing was towards that place so Allah Ta'ala said okay just for that reason I forgive all of his sins and he left his home in Tawbah and he died with his face facing towards the community of the people who were on deen and who would have taught him how to make Tawbah and leave a righteous life so now we should think so that person, just think that that person who is guilty of murdering 100 people, if he dies on the midpoint between leaving his life of sin and going to the place where he would learn Tawbah, and his body just falls facing that direction, even then Allah Ta'ala will forgive, then imagine that person who in his, that was a person who died, a person who in their being fully awake, turns to Allah Ta'ala 100% and asks Allah Ta'ala for 100% forgiveness, for 100% of their sins, then surely Allah Ta'ala will forgive a person like that for all of their sins, if they sincerely ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness for all of their sins. That's why it befits us that we should make lots of istighfar, we should keep begging Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness, and Allah Ta'ala is our Rabbi Kareem, He is our kind and generous Lord. He is that beginning who forgives the sins of His sinning believers. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is happy to forgive the sins of believers. It comes in a day that that person who knocks at the door of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives that person's sins and says that, O oh, my servant, that indeed that may you have mm, what your duty is to make dua to me, your duty is to make su'al and to ask me, and my responsibility is to kabul your dua and to grant your requests. So your job is to make dua and sawal, and my job, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, himself, is to kabul, accept your dua, and to grant, to fulfill your request of me. So now imagine if a person has such a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala is offering such a relationship to a person, how could a person not take up that offer? How could a person not make dua, not make sawal? So three things in we're today that stay away from shirk, stay away from magic, and stay away from harboring ill feelings towards a fellow Muslim, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely and certainly forgive us for our sins. And the second thing that was mentioned was that person who has true remorse over their sin, nadma, then Allah ta'ala will forgive them for that sin. They should make lots of istighfar, they should make sayyidul istighfar. There was a particular type of istighfar that was mentioned. And the third thing for today is that person who does a lot of good deeds, who does a'mal as-salih abundantly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran that the hasanat, the good deeds, they take away, they make, they, they take away, they cause, they dispel. And take away the sayyat, the sins that a person does. So another way that our sins can be expiated for and forgiven is by increasing our good deeds. Sayyidina Abu Huraira and Sayyidina Abu Sayyid al-Khudri Both of them, they narrate the sadis from the Prophet said, that I swear, the Prophet said that I swear in the name of that being in whose hand lies my life, that whenever a person prays the five daily salah prayers and fasts the month of Ramadan, keeps the fast of the month of Ramadan and pays the zakat that is due upon them and stays away from kaba'ir, from these seven major deadly sins, stays away from the seven enormous deadly sins, stays away from those, then any such person who does that, then Allah Taala will open up all eight gates of Jannah for such a person. Allah Taala will throw open all eight of the doors that lead to Jannah, so much so than that, that that uh, so much so that that person, that the Prophet said, that that person can enter into Jannah from any one of those eight doors that he wishes and chooses. And then after then, 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 then recited this ayah of Quran, that if they leave the enormous sins that I have, pro- I have prohibited them from, then I will forgive for them their sayyat, I will forgive for them their minor sins, their slips and their shortcomings. If you stay away from the big ayah in Quran, that if you stay away from the big sins that you've been prohibited from, then we will forgive for you the small sins that you do. So what, how are the small sins expiated through praying and through fasting and through a'mal as-salam? So much so that if a person has absolute certain faith and conviction in the fact that Allah Ta'ala forgives a person, Allah Ta'ala will forgive a person just on the basis of their certainty that Allah Ta'ala will forgive them. It comes in a date that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that Allah Ta'ala says that that person who knows 
and has yaqeen, has certain knowledge that Allah Ta'ala, I, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, am the being who has the power to forgive sins, then I will forgive such a person for their sins. Anybody who has that iman about me with yaqeen that I and I alone, Allah alone is the being who forgives sins, just for them viewing me like that, I will forgive their sins. But again, the condition is that they don't do any shirk, they don't associate and ascribe any partners to me. Because if a person ascribes any partners to Allah SWT, then they will lose the forgiveness of Allah. But as long as they don't do that, and they view Allah Ta'ala as the being who has the unique, exclusive power to forgive sins, then Allah Ta'ala will send His mercy on such a person and forgive them for their sins. Another hadith that says that indeed when a servant when a servant calls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when a commits sin and then turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says that, Oh Allah, I have committed a sin. Rabbik fearly that, Oh my Rabb, forgive me for my sin that I just committed. So then the angels say that, Oh Allah, Oh our Rabb, this person is not worthy of being forgiven. The angels say, look at him, he keeps sinning and repeating sin and all he says. He sins and asks you to forgive him. So that's not worthy of being forgiven. But Allah Ta'ala then responds to the angels and says to them, that no, even if he may not be worthy of receiving my forgiveness, but I, it befits me that I send my forgiveness on him nonetheless. Even if the human being is not Ahl, or he's not worthy of receiving the Maghfirah, but I, Allah SWT, it befits me, I'm Ahl, it befits me to send my forgiveness on him. So how can I not send my forgiveness on him? Therefore, if he turns to me and asks me to forgive him, whether he is deserving or undeserving of that forgiveness, simply because he asked me for that forgiveness, it befits me that I send my forgiveness on him. So that means that what we should do is that whenever we are, we should make lots of istighfar and it should be a recurrent thing that we say in the day, in the night, when we're walking around, we should always feel remorse and regret and always turn to Allah Ta'ala and even this short sentence if we say, Rabbik firli, and these two, three words we should keep on our tongue often, Rabbik firli, Rabbik firli, another hadith that comes, Allahumma firli, another hadith that comes, Allahumma hamni, so these are three very small sentences, not even their phrases, pieces of sentences. So if we say, Rabbik firli, Allahumma firli, Allahumma hamni, if we say these three small sentences, and we say it with complete iman and yaqeen that Allah Ta'ala is the being who is zu zura, the being of sending forgiveness and sending mercy, then Allah Ta'ala will forgive us for our sins. And it comes to another hadith that whenever a person makes a sin and asks Allah Ta'ala to forgive him for sins, then Allah can forgive him for all of his sins. And if a person commits a sin and is scared of Allah SWT, is terrified of Allah SWT, that I've committed a sin, I'm guilty of wrongdoing, what will happen on the Day of Judgment? Maybe Allah Ta'ala will punish me, Allah Ta'ala will send His punishment on me. So as I've given example for the women that just like a child in your home, he breaks the glass and then he's scared that my mother's going to slap me. So he goes and runs and hides somewhere. So if a believer has that same feeling of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah ta'ala will punish me for my guilt, 
in my wrongdoing and my sins, then just that fear that a person has for Allah subhanahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to that person that this person of mine feared me that I will then forgive him for my sins just because of that fear. Means they didn't even say the sentence Rabbik fearly, Allah makfirli, Allah hamni. They were too scared to even speak. Allah ta'ala will look at the fear, the feeling of fear they have in their heart and will forgive them for feeling that fear. And, and when will a person feel this fear? They will fear. They will feel this fear when they view the sin as an act of rebellion against Allah, as an act of betrayal against Allah, as an act of disloyalty against Allah, as an act of disobedience towards Allah. So we have to feel those feel, emotional feelings, and then we will feel the fear of Allah Subhanahu wa but if a person commits a sin without fear, when they become fearless in their sin, when they don't have any worry, when they do sin carefree, then this is extremely dangerous predicament to place yourself in. Because so we should never ever be fearless when we do sin. And we should think that my nafs has made me so attracted towards the sin that I'm doing it fearlessly. And I'm doing it without remorse, without regret, without being terrified of my Allah. So in that situation, then a person should make sure they feel the fear of Allah. Because that person who feels fear, they will be forgiven quickly. And that person who just sinned fearlessly, they will not be forgiven. So that's why in our heart, we must fill our heart with the azmat of Allah SWT. We should be aware of His might and His majesty. And in light of His might and majesty, we should be humbled in fear of Him. Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi some said in the hadith and you should magnify the majesty of Allah subhanahu you should attest and proclaim the majesty of Allah on your tongue with iqrar and you should also feel his majesty in your heart and you should lower yourself Humble yourself in front of Him. If you humble yourself and lower yourself in front of Him in a feeling of awe and reverence due to His might and majesty, then Allah Ta'ala will forgive you for your sins. And so a person should then ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive them for sins in this way. Allah Ta'ala will forgive a person's sins. Allah Ta'ala is so forgiving, so merciful, that it comes in a day that once a person went to the Prophet Sallallahu and told the Prophet Sallallahu that oh woe to me over my sins oh my sins my, he was thinking about the amount of his sin that oh my sins oh my sins woe to me because of my sins so Sayyidina Sussam told him that you should recite this dua that oh Allah your maghfirah your forgiving capacity is much greater than my sinning capacity your forgiving capacity is much more than my sinning capacity so oh Allah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I have no I am mm, not confident at all about any of my good deeds but I am confident about your capacity to forgive and Allah ta'ala I turn to your capacity to forgive and I ask that you forgive my sins so when he said this made this dua three then the Prophet told him to make this dua so then he made this dua once then he made it a second time then he made dua the third time. When he made the dua the third time, the Prophet come stand up, indeed you have been forgiven by Allah. So it means again that this dua, 
that, O oh Allah, your forgiveness, O oh Allah, your forgiveness is wider than my sins to make this dua three times. Allahumma maghfirutaka awsa'u min zanubi, that, O oh Allah, your forgiveness is much wider than my sins. So we should also make this one of the duas that we use. That I have more hope in your mercy than I have in any of my own acts and deeds. Allahumma maghfiratuka awsa'u min zanubi wa rahmatuka arja min amali. If you make this dua three times, Sayyidina Anas Radlatanu says that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hadith Qudsi, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that, O oh, son of Adam, O oh, child of Adam alayhi salam, that, O oh, child of Adam Islam, O oh, human, that as long as you keep making prayers of forgiveness to me and you have your hope in me that I will forgive you, then on the basis of these two things, I will keep sending my forgiveness on you, even were your sins to be as great as they could fill up the earth and reach up the skies. And, e- and even no matter how big a sinner as you are, it is my, mm, it befits me and it is my part of my majesty and glory that I forgive you for the sins that you do. And if you want that I should forgive you, then I will forgive you for your sins. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets happy when He forgives the believer, sinning believers for the sins that they do. So we should also want that we should beg Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness for our sins. And that when Allah Ta'ala is getting happy at forgiving, and Allah Ta'ala never tires of forgiving us, and we should never tire in asking Him forgiveness. Allah Ta'ala's maghfirah is untiring, unrelenting. Therefore our istighfar should also be untiring and unrelenting. So that on the Day of Judgment when we are presented in front of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that our book of deeds should be empty of sin, the sin should be erased from that book of deeds due to the istighfar that we did, and therefore that we can get the book of deeds in our right hand. And that person who didn't make istighfar and didn't have their sins erased, then on the Day of Judgment they will be in danger of getting their book of deeds in their left hand. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala save us from that, and may He send His mercy upon us. For a short period of time, make Murakama. Close your eyes and bow your head. The world and each and every single thing that it contains. Disconnect yourself from the world and everything that it contains. And lose yourself and absorb yourself in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين
ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive all of our minor and major sins. Ya Allah, whatever sins that we remember, forgive them. Whatever sins that we've even forgotten that we did them, forgive them. Ya Allah, whatever sins that we did in the naif, forgive them. Forgive the sins that we did in the night. Forgive us for the sins that we did alone. Forgive us for the sins that we did in public gatherings. Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive all of our minor and major sins. Ya Allah, we are asking you for your forgiveness. Ya Allah, shower your forgiveness upon us. Ya Allah, these women of yours, they have come to you asking your forgiveness. They are hopeful of your forgiveness. Ya Allah, shower your forgiveness upon all the women. Ya Allah, forgive all of our sins. Ya Allah, we see in this world that when a group of women come to someone, then a person is back leans towards them, is soft towards them because they're women. But ya Allah, today a whole bunch of women have come to you asking for your forgiveness. Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive them for their sins and due to their barakah, forgive all of us for our sins as well. That Ya Allah, you are the one who gives solace to the broken hearts. Ya Allah, you are the one who mends the broken hearts. Ya Allah, you are the being who converts sins into good deeds. Ya Allah, you are the ones who forgives the sins of the sinners. Ya Allah, we ask that you change all of our sins to good deeds. We ask that you forgive all of our sins. Ya Allah, those of our elders who, who even for 20 years they never did a sin. For 20 years the angels could never write a sin. Ya Bikrim, Ya Allah, we ask that you make us people who also stay away from sin. We ask that you safeguard us from sin. Send your fuzzle and come upon us. Ya Allah, Bishrahafi, he used to be intoxicated with the liquor of this world. But Ya Allah, you cast your special gaze on him. You made him amongst your Aliya. Ya Allah, we ask that you send the same gaze upon us and make us amongst the Aliya. Ya Allah, Fuzayl ibn Ayyad, he was a burglar and a thief. But Ya Allah, when you chose to forgive him, he became once of the leader of the Aliya. Ya Allah, do the same thing with us. Ya Allah, that Sayyidina Umar, who left his home to kill the Prophet your glance fell upon him and you sent your Hidayah upon him and you made him this great Sahaba. Ya Allah, we ask that you send the same glance and gaze upon us. Ya Allah, your Nabi Akrimsan taught us that we should make you please and keep begging you to be pleased until you are Radhi with us. Ya Allah, we are asking you, we are begging you, become Radhi with us, become pleased with us. Before we stand up, forgive us for all of our sins. Before we stand up, emancipate us from the hellfire. Ya Allah, your beloved Sayyidina Yusuf even he forgave all of his brothers and he said to them that, oh my brothers, there is no there is no blame on you on this day. Ya Allah, Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, he also said the same thing to the kuffar of Makkah, that there is no blame on you after this day. Ya Allah, we also want that you say about all of us on this day, that we've gotten your forgiveness on this day, that after today there will be no blame on us, that all of our sins are forgiven at this moment. Ya Allah, in this world, whichever the believers is worried, Ya Allah, remove their worries, increase the guidance in this world, bring everybody onto the hidayah of the deen, those who are distant from deen, Ya Allah, bring them closer to deen, remove everyone's worries and difficulties 
Aziz, Ya Allah, before our eyes are closed from this world, let us open the eyes of our heart. Ya Allah, before people tell us to recite kalima, Ya Allah, let us recite kalima from our own heart. Ya Allah, before people do ghusl of us as a maid, as a corpse, let us wash away our sins with the ghusl of tawbah. Ya Allah, before we are laid to rest in our grave, Ya Allah, make our grave a garden from the gardens of Jannah. Ya Allah, before we are made to stand and appear in front of you in the day of judgment, Ya Allah, we grant us a life that is worthy and earning of your pleasure. Ya Allah, we ask that you give us a state of death only when we have made ourselves pleasing to you. First change our life and then give us death. Ya name, we ask that you fulfill all of our needs. Ya Allah, we ask that you enable us to follow the Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaat. We ask that you enable us to follow and implement each and every Sunnah in this world. Ya Allah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, Ya let us follow the Sunnah. Ya Allah, make us amongst your ibad. Make us in such a way that we are pleasing to you. We want nothing else but to be pleasing to you. Ya Allah, let us go to Medina Manawra. Let us see the Prophet Islam on the Day of Judgment. Ya Allah, we want that we to see that face that you had in Quran called Wal-Duha. To see that hair that you called Wal-Layl in Quran. Ya Allah, that gaze that when it used to look up to you. That ya Allah, you used to swear by the face of the Prophet Wasallam. Ya Allah, do not make us mahroom of that on the Day of Judgment. Give us a spot at his feet on the Day of Judgment. Give us water to drink from his hand on the house of Kofi on the Day of Judgment. Grant us a place near him in Jannah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive us for all of our sins and all of our elder Mashaikh ulama who passed away from this world. Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive them. And those who are still alive among us, let us value them, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask that you put barakah in the work of Dao and Tabliq. Work in barakah in all of the work of the awliya. Barakah in the work of all of the madaris and arabiya islamiya. And Ya Allah, before we rise from this gathering, Ya Allah, decree your forgiveness for us. Ya Allah, you said in Quran al-Kareem that we should make dua to you and that you will answer and accept our du'as. Ya Allah, we are making dua to you and only you. Ya Allah, we ask that you accept our du'as. Accept all the du'as that are in the hearts of everyone here. Ya Allah, we ask that you send your special rahmat on our shaykh. Ya Allah, we put barakah in all of his works. Ya Allah, extend his life in his shade over us. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us his true follower. Let us follow each and every one of his teachings that he has taught us. Ya Allah, these remaining days that is left in Ramadan, let us benefit from the barakat of Ramadan. Ya Allah, those who wanted to come to these gatherings and were unable to come, Ya Allah, include them in these du'as and forgive all all of their and our sins as well. Amen.